Hi, everyone, and welcome to Pod 2112, the official podcast of the 2112 Group, where we talk with business executives and thought leaders about the technology, market issues, and indirect route market strategies impacting the world around us. Of course, I'm your host, Larry Walsh. Um, one of the things that I find astounding is Microsoft and Office 365. It is truly one of the, the essential elements of Microsoft's success story. Over the past few years, Office 365, the, both the commercial and the, uh, the consumer versions, have really become a true net contributor to not only Microsoft's you know, current revenue, but also their ongoing and recurring revenue. Amazingly, though, and this is what I find to be the astounding part, is that Microsoft only has about a 10 to 15% penetration rate, meaning that about 90, 85 to 90% of the total world market using Office, which is the dominant productivity platform you know, in the world, 85 to 90% are still using some form of perpetual license. God only knows which versions they're on. Uh, and it's one of the things that Microsoft is actively pushing their partners to, to do is to, is to convert that huge install base from a static revenue or a static license into a subscription-based model. This is opening up some really big opportunities for complementary vendors because as these, as these businesses convert to that services-based model, they are going to need all of the other complementary services like backup, like security, and all the ongoing support that goes with it. And that's creating some tremendous opportunities for the vendors that play in that, the, on that parallel course with a company like Microsoft, as well as complementing the other vendors. So you get this entire ecosystem play that benefits everyone in the chain. So we thought it'd be interesting to talk with one of those companies that's engaged in one of those strategies that's drafting on the trend or the success of another company. And to do that, we invited Neil Bradbury, the Vice President of MSP Strategic Partnerships at Barracuda MSP, which is a focused team of Barracuda Networks, to join us because, as he's going to tell you, this is one of the the focuses of his strategy and his business is attaching managed services, specifically security and backup services, to that Office 365 opportunity. So with that, you know, welcome to Pod 2112, Neil. Thanks, Larry. It's great to be here today. And great to have you. So hey, let's let's just start talking, you know, start off by talking about Barracuda and its business model. Why don't you tell us a little bit about it? Because it has been a model in evolution over the past few years, has it not? It has, absolutely. And, you know, Barracuda has been around for well over 15 years. I know anyone in the IT world probably remembers, you know, the airport ads. It's familiar with Barracuda, the, the blue box, shall we say, right, that would protect people from spam. And really over the last decade or so, Barracuda has expanded into network security, application security, and even into having a focused group uh, within Barracuda, which is, you know, Barracuda MSP, where I get to focus. Um, Barracuda MSP itself, you know, was uh, started by an acquisition of Intronus probably at the end of 2015. And Barracuda has also grown via acquisitions, which is an example of kind of, uh, you know, that Intronus acquisition. Um, we, I'm excited about this topic today because if you look at what Barracuda has done for well over a decade, it's, it's email. And from my perspective, Office 365, we could mention Google, but Office 365 is really just changing how email is consumed by businesses uh, worldwide. 
and there's still a security opportunity, there's still protection that needs to be delivered. And even though it's not on-prem, it's more of a subscription, which subscription could be a whole other podcast, Larry, how we consume stuff, right? Because that's what Office 365 is now. It's converting to a subscription. Um, it's allowed Barracuda a great opportunity for us to engage with MSPs, partners, and even larger direct customers to take advantage of this Office 365 uh, opportunity. Well, you know, everyone says everyone needs security, but how does the need for security translate into a solution sale? It's, it's difficult for me to sit there and say, or actually I shouldn't say it's difficult. I can, I can see it with my, you know, my eyes, my, my mind's eye that, that you should be having this conversation of if you're going to be converting to a 365 subscription, you should be thinking about security. How does that translate into a solution from, you know, when you have a partner that has to draw from two different vendors? Yeah, sure. Um, obviously, we're the best vendor. No, I'm kidding. So, <laughs> you know, a lot of the, the focus or what we train, it comes to education. And the first thing that a lot of businesses ask when they're converting to some type of cloud solution is, where's my data? Who's going to watch my data? Who's going to have custody of my data? Um, how do I get my data back if this cloud provider actually has an issue? So a lot of times partners are going in and saying, look, we're going to convert you into, you know, the cloud. Um, and part of the Barracuda stack is the data protection platform for OneDrive and SharePoint and Office 365. And it allows a partner to confidently go to an end user and say, look, as part of the security solution that we're going to offer, it's going to have data protection. Um, and that has been a, a great kind of start of, of that conversation is that, that customer data. Um, the other piece of it is we've also expanded into security awareness training. And we could probably spend five minutes on this too, but you know, you start looking at users, they're your greatest weakness and your greatest asset. But at the same time, it allows partners to have a conversation of, okay, we're going to the cloud. We're going to start to do some training. We're going to start to protect the data. Um, and it opens it up to an entire solution versus just selling kind of point products. Um, it's almost, if you look at it, it's a managed email offering by the MSP, right? It's not, we're not just selling you an email. We're selling you a managed email or a managed security product. Everyone says you need security. Everyone says you need support. And yet what a lot of these customers are seeing is an, an increase, a stacking of costs, which they're not actually getting a a cost savings, which was one of the tenets of moving to these cloud-based solutions, is that it's going to reduce your costs. At least that's what we told them. Now they're finding that they need to have all these additional add-ons. You know, how do your how do you reconcile that when you can get you know when you're sitting here trying to draw off these opportunities that are being presented by another company to get over that good enough, considering that the base package is good enough even without what you're offering them? Yes, yeah, good question. So. Um, the Microsoft, it, it, someone like Barracuda, right? Um, we always have to continue to innovate would be the word that I would start with, right? Microsoft has done a great job of having a base package um, and they should, right? Whether it's security, whether it's the products, whatever it needs to be, the base package should be able to be that minimum viable product. What it does with Barracuda is it forces us to innovate and build on top of the Microsoft base package. You know, I go back to years ago with Microsoft and antivirus vendors, right? They're constantly having them evolve, move forward, even though Microsoft went and bought an antivirus company, right? And integrated into the actual product. Um, and for us, it puts us and, and other vendors in that innovation um, spotlight, which is great because we've got well over a decade of, of security research and, and experience. The other piece, which I agree with you, 
and we kind of did possibly channel partners a disservice or possibly the cloud vendors did this on purpose and it could have just been a theme which the cloud was supposed to be cheaper. Well, I don't necessarily know if I look at, you know, compute in the cloud, if it's actually cheaper, it gives you agility. It allows you to move faster. It allows you to essentially um, scale your business uh, leaps and bounds faster than trying to wait for hardware to come in in two months. And so I think from my perspective, you take all of those other costs or lost opportunity, eh, it'd be a really fun spreadsheet. You could say that the cloud's cheaper, but at the end of the day, I think people are realizing the cloud necessarily isn't cheaper or less expensive, but it does give a lot more benefits that are worth pursuing as a result. As Microsoft and other companies are bringing these products, and I mean, it's not Microsoft. I mean, we're using that as a proxy for, right, for this conversation for the rest of the cloud opportunity. But we might as well be, as you mentioned, Google or Amazon Web Services or you know, even Oracle or IBM, they're all, they're all pushing their platforms. How does a company like Barracuda tap into that stream, that, that, that opportunity? How do you effectively work with or around these larger companies to tap into that opportunity and get your partners access to the opportunity that's available to them? Yeah, so for us, you know, we, over the last few years, have done a great job of building a relationship with um, Microsoft. I think what each of the cloud vendors that you've mentioned have done, some better than others, but they've basically built an ecosystem around their different cloud products and they want the vendors to be part of it. And what it's allowed us to do is find the right partners, right? If they're part of the Microsoft ecosystem, they're, you know, we're part of that ecosystem. There's kind of a match there and we can put them together and go down the solution stack. It also uh, is, is allowed us a lot of joint in Microsoft scenario. We'll stick there, allowed us a lot of opportunities for joint marketing and joint partnership. Whereas years ago that didn't exist before, kind of Office 365 or the cloud came down. Look, there was always partnership, but I think the cloud has afforded us the opportunity um, to do it even uh, better and greater than we did in, in the past. Um, and, it, and it's allowed us as a, as a business to, to truly capitalize on it. You know, for us, you look at Azure specifically, you know, we're one of the first firewalls to be in Azure. Um, if you look at some of the announcements we did at Ignite this year, um, you know, we are one of those uh, web application firewall uh, is in Microsoft Azure. It's running on Microsoft Azure. We've also done some great things with our firewalls or our network security stack that's custom to Microsoft. All of that is because we've gotten involved in the Microsoft ecosystem. They've invested in us, we've invested in them. And as a result, you know, those partners that are both heavily invested in both stacks um, are benefiting. So from my perspective, um, it, it's really, you got to get involved with these larger ecosystem providers. Um, once you hit that, you know, you're either all in or you're not, I guess is the way that I would say it. And with Microsoft, we're kind of all in. Do you have to collaborate with Microsoft? I mean, does there actually have to be direct contact with them? Obviously, you can probably glean some benefits, you know, you know, getting some access to Microsoft Market Development Funds or some of their events or, but there are numerous examples in the past. I mean, remember when everybody was trying to glom on to the virtualization trend. So they were constantly trying to attach their brand to VMware and VMware had nothing to do with them. So is it an imperative to actually be attached to the brand or can you just, can you just, you know, skate along with them? I think you can skate along with them to a point. 
but then to get scale or to get the adoption that any company would probably want, you do need to have a higher level uh, engagement. My, per my personal opinion, again, that's the pathway that, you know, Barracuda has taken and it has worked, but I do think with a lot of different alliance relationships or alliance partnerships, if we look at even how, you know, a lot of different vendors in the channel work together, you know, this is no different, um, except it's more advanced than a standard alliance relationship. You know, there's, to your point, MDF and partnerships and, you know, joint um, events, et cetera, that, that, that happen, that kind of take it to, to the next level. But if you're a small emerging vendor, um, you know, and shown us back in the day, uh, you know, my, what I helped co-found, no, we didn't have a direct relationship with Microsoft, but we, we did okay and we grew. Um, but again, we don't have the scale of Barracuda. Yeah. What are some of the mistakes you've learned along the way as you're trying to, as you're trying to draft on the opportunities of another company or, or this broader trend, have you made any mistakes and is there, there any lessons to be learned from, from going to market differently? Of course we haven't made mistakes, Larry. Why was I asking that? You know, that's that's <laughs> what a silly question that is. Exactly. Yeah. No, a few and in no, you know, in no particular order, but I'll give you a few, right? So, my big thing is you want to be first or be different, right? And so take that as just a statement, be first to be different. I learned this from one of the CEOs I worked, worked for, for, for a couple of years and, and he was right. He was a marketing genius. And so if I look at, you know, the different partnerships or trends that, or mistakes that have been made as we've gone to path, right. Or gone, gone to market is um, don't assume that the partner is actually aware of the trend or the opportunity. And, you know, so a lot of vendors go down the path of, Hey, vendor A has done something, which has created an opportunity for vendor B. We should go and market to the partners to take advantage of it. Those partners might have absolutely no idea what's happening and they need to be educated. So a lot of the mistakes that are made or the things that can happen is educating these partners on the actual uh, opportunity that's been created. The other thing, which is interesting is, you may actually not be in a position to take advantage of that opportunity as an organization and knowing when to just let it pass. And I know that's difficult. I know it's tough for certain organizations, but if you don't have the right partners, you don't have the actual right budget, you may let that opportunity pass. Now, again, there's opportunities created all the time. So hopefully it's not that one opportunity that changes the entire trajectory of your business, but uh, usually they're not. Um, they're different. They, there's many opportunities that come up. And you may actually have to let that, that one pass. Um, and there's a few, right? <laughs> the big one nowadays, too, because data is so prevalent. Um, you know, I, I work with you, Larry, right? And you've done different uh, studies in the past, right? But who funds, and don't take this the wrong way, but it'd be funny, you know, who funds studies? Organizations fund studies. At the end of the day, depending who funded the study, the data or the trend will point a certain way, right? And so if you're another organization and you rely on that data or you rely um, on a data that's possibly pointed one direction to make a decision, you might actually be using the wrong data and you really should go out and get your own data and you should go get some type of partner validation in your own ecosystem. So I know that's a lot and I've said probably four or five different kind of gutches, but hopefully that's helpful um, to, to other partners or, or organizations that are thinking of, you know, different opportunities. No, I, no, it's, it, I, yeah, it was a lot to digest, but you know, your message was clear, get data from 2112. I, I really appreciate yes, that. Yes. And, and I kept that one to last. So if everyone just glossed <laughs> over the other three or four points, I just going to call Larry. I like it. <laughs> when in doubt. Yeah. Call Larry and his team. Um, you know, 
I, I do like the one point though, and it did pique my interest when you were when you were saying it about partners being aware of the opportunity. And I often find, I don't know what you think about this, but I often find that, that, that there's so much information that's flowing out to the partner community that they become tone deaf to new opportunities that they are, you know, they may be even be aware of them, but they're, it's not meaningful or impactful to them. That's one part. And the other part, since you, you gave a rambling answer, I'm going to give a rambling question. Um, the other part of that though, is the, even if they're aware of it, they find that it's too much trouble to, to prosecute that, you know what I can, you know, in fact, I've had conversations with, with some partners that say, you know what, I can sign that, that Azure contract, or I can get that, that 365 deal done, or I can get that, you know, in your case, the Barracuda MSP deal done, but I can't do both simultaneously. It could scare the customer. How do you get over both of those? Opportunities now exist in the channel where you can work with it. What everyone has realized in the MSP community is MSPs are kind of limited by the amount of staff that they have or the amount of bandwidth that they have to take on new projects and to grow. And I know what a lot of organizations, I mean, even Barracuda's done it, is they've added professional services arms to help so that a partner doesn't have to make that decision, right? And we're just one example. There's a lot of companies that have done this or vendors that have done this, whatever you want to call us, um, so that the MSP hopefully doesn't have to walk away from both opportunities. The flip side of that is, well, you know, the, the, the end user customer is not going to pay for both. So you have to pick one, which one do you pick? And from my perspective, I would, always, at least in today's world, I would lean on security, lean on protecting of their data, um, lean on helping them more, being more profitable or uh, more productive. And then that'll guarantee your long-term success with that customer. And you'll get another bite at the apple and you'll get that second opportunity or that second project done. Do you think that they also need to be as, as deeply involved with that vendor that's driving that trend uh, or can they just work with you and tap into the trend independent of that vendor? I mean, you can envision a scenario where you may have to have a, a working relationship with that vendor, say Microsoft again in this case, but does the partner necessarily have to be? Can the partner then attack those Microsoft accounts with a complimentary offering and still have, and still have the same advantages. In, in the specific case of Microsoft and Office 365, I think there are advantages to an MSP working with either a cloud, you know, a CSP or depending on their size, Microsoft direct. But I would say to close a lot of the opportunities, they necessarily don't need to engage Microsoft, right? They can work with the security vendor. If they've done an email security, an email uh, migration in the past, they probably have the skill sets uh, within their team to do so without necessarily having to reach out to Microsoft. Um, but I would say there is an opportunity there, whereas if they are not doing some type of a CSP or they're not doing some type of a resell of Office 365, that that is an opportunity for, for them. Um, and for transparency, Barracuda doesn't do that, right? But a lot of the MSPs that we work with, that's what they do and it's made them uh, a little uh, successful uh, as they've gone down the path of really selling subscriptions. Yeah. What happens so, because ultimately, ultimately what we're talking about is when we're, we're drafting on another vendor's success or the trend that they're pushing, this is ultimately a, a replacement strategy. There is, you are going in there and you're replacing something, something new for something old. And in the case of what we're talking about the, for our conversation, the scenario of Office 365 with its 10% penetration rate, 
what happens when those numbers start to inflate? What happens when you go from 10% to 30 to 50 to 75 as you start to reach that market saturation? Does the dynamics of that relationship change because the opportunities become scarcer and harder to close? I think the partners are, I don't think it becomes harder. I still think there's opportunity. Let me start there. Um, MSPs are in a very interesting position uh, and that's who we work with because they are helping businesses that typically don't have full-time IT and don't know how to make themselves more productive or how to make themselves more profitable. As the adoption of Microsoft Office 365 continues, as more and more stuff becomes a subscription, a lot of the different software vendors that the small businesses or the businesses that these MSPs work with change, there will be integrations. There will be glue logic that happens between Azure, Office 365, OneDrive, SharePoint. Pick, pick a product on the Microsoft DAC, which is what we started this, this podcast on. These ISVs, independent software vendors that run small businesses, will either build their own SaaS applications that integrate or they will build something that runs on Microsoft. And I think that's a huge opportunity for MSPs because small businesses, even at 50% penetration, will not be in a position to do that integration work or that work themselves and they will need a partner to help them do it. Um, also, ISVs will figure out how do, we, how do we do a resell? How do we work with some of the channel providers and partners? Um, and hopefully the MSPs can, can make a little bit of residual revenue at the same time. What is the value proposition in all this? Because when we're talking about, you know, insert technology A that's driving the trend with, tech, you know, add-on technology B that complements it, you do have a technology solution or a technology package. But when it comes to the true value of what's being delivered, is it the technology, is it the completeness of the solution or is it something that's being uh, an experience that's being facilitated or enhanced by you and the partner? How much of a customer experience plays into the value of all this? I think it plays a ton. And if you look at MSP and the channel in general is interesting. So, you know, if I look at Barracuda, I'm uh, MSP, I'm one step removed from the, from the end user. Do I control some of the customer experience, absolutely. But a lot of that does rely on the MSP and how they go to market and how they care and feed that customer. Um, and they're gonna do everything that they can to, to help uh, keep that customer happy, uh, work with that customer. At the end of the day, our solutions need to allow the MSP uh, to provide value, but, and also allow the end users to use our, use our application. You know, We call it create, deliver, demonstrate. So we allow an MSP to create a service, deliver that service, and then demonstrate that service to the end user. And there's, there's different ways that different partners have kind of established uh, their way of doing it. But in our mind, that's the way that we help our partners themselves take a security journey, their end users take a security journey, is allowing them to kind of create, deliver, and demonstrate uh, to their end users. And if you can do that, like in the MSP channel, if you're doing, what you're suppo- if you're doing everything you're supposed to be, the customer never has an issue. We know it's not true, but they'll never have an issue. So you need some way to demonstrate all the stuff you're doing behind the scenes um, to, to those end users. And I think that that's no different um, as we go down, you know, the Microsoft Office 365 and greater penetration and additional services that will get um, kind of bolted on. So thinking about your peers, Neil, because, you know, as they're listening to this, they're, they're hearing a lot of, you know, okay, that's interesting you know, that's good advice, but how, where do I start? What is it? Because there's, 
there's any number of viable trends out there that that are being driven by these larger these larger vendors with bigger market uh, bigger market presence. Whether we're talking about digital transformation or artificial intelligence or service-led selling or you know pick any one of them you know i mean hell you got people out there talking about the viability of drones um so you know anything seems it seems possible how do you quantify and pick the right opportunities to chase independent of your own core value proposition because you have a great value proposition in and of yourself but once you start trying to draft into somebody else's you're almost subordinating your value proposition to theirs so which one, how do you go about that process of, cho- of choice? You know, if there is an opportunity or a trend that you can play in, there's another vendor that can play in, um, you know, is there an alliance relationship or is there some relationship you can make with another vendor to build that solution to take advantage of that opportunity? The other piece of the question, which is what if there's multiple opportunities, which one do you take? <laughs> My interpretation of what you asked, but, um, you know, and that comes down to data and, and really, figuring out which one within the partner base that you have, which is a clarifying question, right? You might have 500 partners that pay you today. There might be six opportunities that are out there that you could potentially do. Which one of those six opportunities do your current partner base and you can combine to take advantage of? And as a vendor, that's, I mean, that, that in my mind, that's how I would point the ship um, because to go after an opportunity that potentially um, you don't have the right partners for, um, or the right education for you're not you're not going to be successful. Now, the flip is also flip side is also true. And yes, now we're going to go into rambling territory, Larry. So you can yell at me. But if the business has made a strategic decision that you need to go get a different type of partner, well, then that changes the story. But my assumption is we have our existing partner base. There's a couple of opportunities out there. Which one do we choose? Well, I would choose the one that my partners and myself together can go and, and attack. That's all the time we have for this edition of Pod 2112. I want to thank our guest, Neil Bradbury, the Vice President of MSP Strategic Partnerships at Barracuda MSP, a focused team of Barracuda Networks. And I want to thank all of you for joining us on Pod 2112, a production of the 2112 Group. 2112 is a leading provider of research, strategy development, and enablement services for B2B technology and manufacturing companies around the world. For more information about how 2112 can help your business, visit our website at the2112group.com. Also, check out Channelnomics, 2112's news analyst site that provides the best insights into business practices and market trends. You can subscribe to Pod 2112 on Apple Podcasts, Google Play, Spotify, or wherever you get your podcasts. It's easy to subscribe, so do so today. Thanks again for listening to Pod 2112. Until next time, I'm Larry Walsh.